Hello, we are Terra Nova, a horror podcast. We're hosted by Kendall and Jackie. And here we talk about everything, well, horror. And this podcast is specifically for you, the horror fans, and also the non-horror fans. If you're too scared to watch the movies, it's fine. We talk about it, we discuss it, we dissect it, we laugh about it, talk about the good, the bad, the tropes, and new episodes are launched every Monday. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TerranovaPod. And more importantly, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. And tell your dog too. Cujo. <laughs> Hello. What's going on, Jack? How's everything? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do that. I couldn't do that. No, I'm really good at doing a demon voice. Like, I'm really good at it. I should be worried <laughs> that I do that really well. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I am. <laughs> so this is like one of the segments where it's my choice to film. And it's, it's about a film that, well, it's really a film that Kendall has never watched among many films. But I'm not going to drill him about it this time. I'm going to leave him alone. I'm not going to get him like, you've never seen it before? Because this is kind of one of those films that nobody, not many people have watched it or know about it. It's like one of those gems that kind of disappear in the crowd, which I don't know why. It's such a good movie, but whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave him alone this time. I'm not going to judge him yet. Okay. She's going to judge me internally. She just ain't going to say it out loud. Yeah, that's why I said yet. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the film we're going to be doing is one of my all-time favorite films, which is The Moth Diaries. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should come with a sound effect. She'd be like, swoon. Wait, 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 let me do it. Wait, wait. Pew, pew, pew. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly timed. There we go. Did it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I really can't wait to hear your thoughts about it. Like, oh, my God. But before we do that, let's dive into <laughs> the summary. So, The Moth Diaries, which originally was written by Rachel Kling in 2002, uh, basically focuses about this girl named Rebecca. She goes to this boarding school. She hangs up with her friends. You know, she's having the time of her life. She's, she's keeping a journal because her father killed himself. And so she has to write a journal to try to recollect what's, what's going on, and try to get herself better mentally and emotionally. And then shit happens because there's this new girl, Ernesta, who comes in and kind of wrecks everything, but not really wrecks anything. And the reason why I said that because it's, it's literally narrated through the, through the eyes of Rachel. I mean, not Rachel, uh, Rebecca. And sometimes within the film and also what I've heard from the book is that she is kind of like, you're basically going through the story with her to the terms that you're really guessing is this new girl Anessa a vampire or is she just a pigment of Rebecca's uh, imagination and it's just it's just uh, it's just so beautiful like I could go in detail detail but I want to save it because I really want to know what Kendall thinks of it <laughs> <laughs> but it's like one of those movies that I remember I told Kendall that it's like The Shining where people dubbed it as not a horror film but it is a horror and it, it is like that because according to the director Mary Hannon she said that how it's both it's both a horror and not a horror film that's what she was going for and it's just it's just beautiful because it just 
it's a vampire movie without being a vampire movie in a sense and i just i just love it so <sighs> first impressions please tell me everything <laughs> i have opinions <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah this was my first time seeing this film uh, i've never even heard of it until jackie mentioned it i remember when she we have a whole little calendar where we keep track of what we're going to do and jackie put this in there months ago and i was like moth diaries okay like i've never heard of it but all right uh, <laughs> I trust Jackie's judgment nine out of ten times for any film, so I'm like, all right, let's give it a go. And so I didn't know what it was going in. I don't watch trailers for old films or new films. I just don't watch trailers. I rather just go into the film blind and take on what's kind of coming. So I did that for this, and it was interesting. I'm not gonna lie, like it was interesting. Uh, I'm not gonna say I love it out the gate. I like it, and the more I learned about uh Camilla, and the more I learned about like some of the things surrounding like the fact that there's a book and stuff like that. I like it even more, but uh, from just, just watching the film alone, I was like, Oh, I, I kind of like this movie. It was like, it's an interesting thing. It wasn't a vampire film in the traditional sense of Jackie said, like this isn't blade. This isn't from dust to dawn. This isn't like some intense, crazy action story or yeah. Something over the top of people's heads are being chopped up and all like that. Mm -hmm. This movie feels a bit more artful. It feels, yeah, it feels a bit more artful, feels a bit more like, I guess you could almost say tasteful, kind of, it feels like it has a bit of social commentary in it, but at the same time, it's, yeah, it's it's not, it's not some like run and gun kind of vampire film, it's more of like a drama, yeah, it's more of a drama that kind of involves a vampire that's really, really interesting, and like a story about life and death, which is, yeah, it's always obviously a topic of discussion, because we're humans, we're alive, so it's always something mm -hmm. we, we think about as beings. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's just it was an interesting story. It's a really interesting story. I could I can see why it has like kind of like a cult following. It's a really interesting film. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that again, like this film tends to like disappear within the premise of the horror genre because again, like it is a mixture of drama. It has horror elements, but it's not really dubbed a horror film. And <clears throat> what also makes it really unfortunate is that, you know, Kendall and I are both like in the the art and design world what i think what happened with this film was that and and um the director mary hannah has if has Harren has even said it the marketing for this film is what kind of screwed it over they marketed it as a horror vampire film and then when people watched it they were just like wait i thought this was a horror vampire film why am i sitting here watching girl drama and I think that's that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's kind of what happened, and this happens. This happens many times with films. We've seen it where it's advertised as one thing, and then you watch it, and you're just like, "I thought what, what, what?" And I think that's really yeah. why it kind of disappeared in the premise. You know, not many people know these know this film. Some do. Some still say, "Oh, it wasn't that good," but then there's some that has said that how it's actually really beautifully done, and it's true. And you know, like Kendall mentioned, um, this movie also referenced the 18th century tale, Carmilla, which for those who may not know, it was actually the first vampire story ever written before Dracula, and also the first time we ever see lesbianism in novels. And again, 18th century people, this is the time when showing your leg, showing your wrist was like the biggest taboo you could ever do as a woman like oh my god <laughs> she showed her wrist <gasps> risque um so just for that alone i i couldn't imagine what that was like back then 
and then fast forward to now which i'm kind of going to get into a little later but you know they kind of developed the whole the lesbian vampire trope which again i'm going to get into later but it really it's artsy it really is it's, it's beautifully done yeah it is yeah and the colors i love how also the film if you notice it is very monochromatic in terms of colors it's very gray yeah. it's very dark very blue and the instance when there is color it's, it's bright and vibrant which is the blood there's not much blood in this film but when blood is shown it's, it's very metaphorical like it means something the one instance for blood i want to say is when rebecca is in i think i forgot i think one of the the head person of the school this all girls school they go to she's in there she gets a nosebleed and then arnesta yeah. being a weirdo that she is drinks her blood <laughs> <laughs> just like oh blood I'm like oh what are you doing and the first time i saw that scene i was like that's <laughs> disgusting you're drinking her nose blood what is wrong with you yeah vampire or not that's weird yeah super weird uh but it i like how it was shot because you know when she ran away and was just like oh like hyperventilating of the blood you get flashbacks of <clears throat> when she saw her father bleeding to death because he killed himself and it, yeah. it kind of goes back and forth with it and the thing about this film too is that yeah like it's a vampire film without being a vampire film but i like how arnesa was written as the villain because I like how throughout the film, you're kind of mm -hmm. wondering, is she really a vampire or is she just a pigment of Rebecca's imagination? Or is she the dark thoughts that are inside Rebecca's head? And I like how it makes you question that in the film. While in the book, uh, Rachel Keane kind of made it ambiguous in a sense where she was just like, it is what it is interpret it how you want to interpret it where it doesn't really mm -hmm. convey that she is a vampire that maybe she is just a figment for her imagination so yeah what do you think about that that's interesting i could see how that would totally work in book form mm -hmm. uh, i think it works in a movie too except on, only difference in the movie i just immediately assumed she was a vampire so that was <laughs> yeah. that was my immediate assumption because uh just because of you know uh, all of the vampire movies you've seen, the vampire media over the court or over like you know my lifetime, um, it's certain things that kind of just stood out, mm -hmm. like uh, kind of like how people's uh viewpoints were kind of changing towards Anessa mm -hmm. as time went on. Like it seemed like first they were like, yeah, she's kind of strange, and she does these weird things, and then over time people were kind of like, oh, the things that she do, they aren't really that weird. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're okay. Like the food thing, they were just like, I don't ever see her eating. And they were like, yeah, it's fine. And then, you know, of course, the girls were joking. It was like, well, she has a perfect figure. So I don't, she looks perfectly healthy. So I wouldn't really think much of it. But then uh, when Lucy later, who, who like was pretty much enamored by her, when Lucy ended up in a similar situation, then it kind of draws your attention of like, oh, she might possibly be turning into a vampire too or somehow ad adopting Anessa's uh, habit. Mm -hmm. So, but it was like everybody started changing. Like everyone was just like, "So Rebecca, what's like? I don't get what's wrong with you." Like, and this is fine. She hasn't done anything to anyone, and it kind of reminded me a bit of like when vampires charm people. Oh, I was just gonna say that. I was gonna say that. Yes. Yeah, it seemed like it was a hint at that. Like, of course, the movie didn't like uh, definitively say like, "Oh, she was charming everyone," but mm -hmm. the way things were kind of shifting, like it said, based off years of watching vampire stuff, like you get the 
feeling that she might have charmed people. And this is why everyone's opinions are starting to shift about her. Yeah, it kind of draws me back to, um, so we're going to be jumping around uh, the film a bit. So when Anessa kind of gives the girls that drug that they smoke and whatnot, and then Charlie yeah. ends up breaking the mirror, I mean, the window, and she gets expelled. At the scene yeah. that she's leaving, you know, Rebecca's friend Dora says, this is all Anessa's fault. She, she goes around doing what, thinking she could do whatever she wants. And that's the first time, yeah, you notice that they are seeing where Becca is seeing that she's not really quote unquote crazy. Mm -hmm. There is something going on with their Nessa. Like, what is it? And I just, I just love that. And yeah, definitely she charmed it. And I like how as the film, so I like how the film is a story within a story because you're getting the story about Rebecca and then her relationship and friendship with Lucy and then her, her jealousy with Arnessa. And then all the while, the teacher, Mr. Davies, is telling them a story about Carmilla, the vampire. Yeah. And I like how Rebecca kind of puts two and two, especially the first time she talks to Mr. Davies about the book, where she's just like, oh, if, if, um, if Carmilla's in love with her, why does she want to kill her? And Mr. Davies goes around saying, well, it's because she wants a companion. She wants someone with her. Vampires are very lonely, which we've seen in many vampire films. Vampires always yeah. when they want someone they're gonna destroy it so they could be part of them forever that's just how vampire lore works and i like mm -hmm. how the notion when he's telling her this and under her breath she says well it's lucy's fault for being so weak and he's like excuse me and she's like wait i mean laura <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. like i love that parallel because in a way you're getting a story within a story that's taking place in real time we're getting the story of Carmilla while also getting the story about Rebecca. And I, I loved how yeah. that happened. And I think it was similar too in the books as well, where they also mentioned Carmilla as well. And it's just, it's so interesting. And what is it? One of my favorite lines from it, when uh, Rebecca starts noticing a little shift in Lucy's uh, behavior is when she reads a, a verb from the book where it says, you are mine, you shall be mine, and you and I are one forever. And you kind of see how, yeah. yeah, Lucy is sort of becoming Arnessa's. Like, that's hers now. Like, she claimed it, and you do notice it a little bit. But even Rebecca has issues, too, because she's kind of controlling. Oh, yeah. That, I, I think that's where the, the idea of, of, of an Arnessa being like a vision kind of comes up. Mm -hmm. It comes up in the fact that, like, Rebecca is losing control of something that she usually has control of. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, they, they, they express very clearly it's been, like, what, two years at this point since her father committed suicide. Mm -hmm. She's just boarding school, and her friends at this boarding school are essentially the only thing kind of holding her together. So she doesn't have to, like, you know, deal with it, deal with it, like, alone and deal mm -hmm. with it um, on just, like, a darker, deeper level because she has, like, the support around her. Mm -hmm. um, so the... But once that support kind of starts falling apart because, because, you know, one friend gets expelled, people start dying, people start dropping like flies. And then she's realizing that her best, best friend, Lucy, is like no longer ever really by her side. Mm -hmm. um, that's when she kind of gets freaked out by uh, Anessa. And it's like, that's I think that's the reason why it becomes more of like, oh, is this like her imagination or is this, this girl like targeting her specifically because you... Because she, she just seemed like she was in control of everything. You know, they even talk about how her and Lucy had 
their days coordinating all of that stuff. So they were pretty much always together or always do what the other one was. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar to like an actual relationship, which was kind of the vibe I was getting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was kind of the vibe I was getting. Uh, I, I didn't want to jump to that conclusion because I don't obviously I didn't know the characters. I've never seen a movie. But then because, like, it's an all-girls school, I didn't want to just immediately assume that the girls were sleeping with each other. <laughs> like, yeah. that wasn't the conclusion I wanted to jump to right away. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, you got to give me a reason. Um, but there were definitely hints throughout the film that kind of made you feel like, oh, her and her friend Lucy, like, y'all seem like y'all in a relationship, but y'all mm-hmm. don't know it's, like, a relationship. Like, it really rides the fine line of, like, as someone said in one article, they said, like, romant- uh, romantic um, romanticism or I forgot to say it properly but basically romance and like eroticism it like really rides that line um, mm-hmm. because even you get the scene where Lucy's in the be- in the tub and mm-hmm. uh and Rebecca's talking to her and I was like okay I know girls are like a different level of comfortable with each other than like dudes usually are mm-hmm. but I was like this scene just seems kind of central <laughs> no yeah most definitely yeah and and the article you're referring to yeah Mary Harron the director she said it herself she was just like, I wanted to show that. I wanted to explore the intensity of female friendship and how it's like a blurred line between romanticism and eroticism. And we even see Rebecca first time being controlling is when um, I believe it's after the assembly and they're talking and she's just like, oh, you're going to hang out with me later, right? And Lucy's just like, but I told you I was going to hang out with someone else. And Rebecca's just like, but we just got back together. And then Lucy defeated is just like okay i can hang out with her some other time that's the first time you see it you know the first time i watched this movie yeah. i didn't i didn't catch that but then watching this like multiple times you 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 see how controlling rebecca is of lucy to the point that she kind of is like a energy vampire herself where she that is, is true yeah because like lucy as rebecca's described lucy is that she's vibrant she's bright she brings life into her she's she's outgoing she's popular everyone loves her she's athletic she's beautiful and to the point that rebecca is is kind of in love with her but she doesn't realize it and then yeah when ernesta comes in and the first time we see ernesta the first person she notices and smiles at is lucy who also is just like wow I, i want this person and that's when you start slowly seeing the, the Lucy changing and also Rebecca being jealous. And even she admits it at one point after everything has happened and one of her friends had died. She admitted it. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm jealous. But it, it's kind of more yeah. than jealousy with Rebecca because it becomes kind of obsessive where everything, her, her day, she's just thinking about, oh, what's Arnessa doing? What, what is Arnessa doing? Why is Arnessa here? And even her friends are just like, girl, you gotta calm down. You got issues. <laughs> yeah having lost her father it seems like lucy as she said is like kind of like the light in her life mm-hmm. and she probably at least felt like she wouldn't know what to do without having that light directly next to her at all times because mm-hmm. like she's talking about how i remember she started mm-hmm. losing friends she was like it's like my world is falling apart and i'm like yeah your world kind of is falling apart but your world is heavily dependent on being a very specific root calculated routine so that there's like no room for for almost you can say catastrophe like not that her father's Uh suicide was a planned event on her part by any means but you know how there's there's a such thing as being so obsessed with controlling kind of what you can control or just kind of controlling life Uh that you almost don't live it Uh 
I, I think uh, looking back on it, I think she was experiencing a bit of that because it was like no flexibility in her life. It was just like, I have my friends. My friends are at the school. This is what it will be probably in her mind for all of that, as long as I need it to be, which would be forever in her mind. Uh, if she could, she'd probably like trap that, trap that existence in place and forever in her mind and like live that forever. Cause like when Anissa, when Anissa even joins the school and all of that and starts hanging out there, at first I was kind of like, there's really no reason for you to not invite this girl to your group. Mm-hmm. Like if she's, if you, you have your group of friends and then she's kind of slightly in her mind, in Rebecca's mind anyway, taking your friends away. There's kind of no reason for you not to invite this person to your group. Like clearly everyone else has an interest in her, but that just shows you how controlling Rebecca is. Cause she's trying to keep her circle a very specific way. She's like, there should be no changes ever. <laughs> like, that's no, really yeah, what for real. Saying. For real. Cause like, I mean, the only reason why Ernesta was hanging out with the group was mostly because of Lucy. That was the only reason why, you know, even yeah. and, and uh, going back to, but the charm thing, the first time she meets Lucy, she sees her necklace, her friendship necklace. And she's like, oh, yes, my friendship necklace. And, you know, uh, Ernesta grabs it and touches it. And the way she looks at her, the way Lucy just looks at her like, that's it. It happened. That's the moment when she got trance. Because you could see in her yeah. face. She's just like, oh, you know, like that, that whole like, oh, my God. Yeah. And Rebecca is just like, but that's my best friend. That's my friend. Yeah. yeah god and the thing too is that i like how it also kind of dwells in teenage drama because that kind of is what happens when you're a teenager and when you're a girl you do feel like your world your world is coming falling apart when you start losing your friends friends start changing but yet you don't want to change and I, I definitely feel, and I, I like how they also reference a lot of times about her dad's death, that she really didn't want to come to terms with it. Like you mentioned, like her teachers have mentioned it, her friends have mentioned it, the headmaster had mentioned yeah. it, you know, the counselor had mentioned it. Like you know, even her, even her mother, after everything had happened, her mother was just like, "You don't have to go back there," and she's just like, "No, I can't change schools," you know, and. We, we know why she said that so angrily because she was just like, Arnesta's gonna take Lucy. And yeah, it's, yeah, because again, like for a while through the whole movie, you do start to think, okay, maybe she is a vampire. But then, yeah, during the second half, you're just like, okay, maybe, maybe it's just Rebecca. Maybe Rebecca's making Arnesta up. Or maybe, like, maybe she's making this up. But <laughs> in some instances, yeah, you do get the. The notions that okay, yeah, she's definitely a vampire. Point and take is the when when Lucy starts being drained completely, she starts getting she starts getting tired. She she doesn't eat anymore. She looks like death literally. And each time we yeah. see with Ernesta, she's getting worse and worse and worse. When she goes to the hospital, you know Ernesta's still visiting her, and in the moment when uh, Rebecca sees her. And she sees this book, which is written by Jane Ari, which is one of the most famous authors who I think also killed herself, <laughs> I believe. Um, oh, wow. There's a, a vase of flowers. And she was like, oh, my God, your flowers are faded. And she was like, oh, I guess they're dying. She's like, no, I just gave you those flowers. Like, I just gave you those. How are they dying? And this also symbolizes Arnesta being a vampire. Because besides sucking blood, yeah. vampires also drain your energy they make you exhausted just for you to play the 
just to beat their prey so they could easily bite you and turn you. And I feel like I feel like for Lucy, I feel like it was both Ernesta and also Rebecca draining her. I feel like it was both of them. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, one was just actually physically killing her. <laughs> yeah, because it has to be draining. Uh, despite how much support you want to give your friend, it has to be draining to have a friend who wants to control every part of your life because their life is spiraling. Like you, uh, I'm sure she was like, "I'll be there for anything you need me to be there for, and I'll talk to you about anything you want to talk to." But still, got to give your friends a chance to uh, to recharge, kind of you know. Remember who they are when you aren't present, so that when they need you, they they can like be fully there for you. Because yeah, it just it seemed it seemed like she was definitely draining her in her own way. I was questioning that even while I was watching. I was like, man, she really is. Rebecca is saying no, like this girl. (laughs) I get that she's going through it, but I'm like, this girl is something else. Like, and I think I I caught on to the um, I guess you can call it the reveal. Mm-hmm. Or plot twist. I caught into it earlier than I thought I would in the film when they actually when she actually kind of revealed that like uh, Anessa is actually targeting Rebecca. Uh, I caught mm-hmm. into that earlier because I was just like, hold up, she's targeting everybody but you. Like she hasn't done anything to you, and for any t- if anything, she's been giving you like history lessons of who she is and yeah. where she's come from. Yeah. Like she doesn't seem like she's attacking you. It seems like she's like, how can I say, it? being intimate with you in a really weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even like. She even starts going into her dreams. Like the first time she meets her, she never interacted yeah. with her. She never talked to her and then right away, boom, in her dreams. And you're just like, what the fuck? And then even like when she takes the drug, the drug that Ernesto is giving all the girls, starts to hallucinate. And then um, I like how in the behind the scenes featurette thing, the actress who plays Ernesto, she's so funny. She was just like, oh, I get to be her, her, her um, subconscious, that I get to be in her mind. And she basically tells her, like, I'm going to tell you something, you know. And she tells her how she came to the hotel. Because before it became a boarding school yeah. for girls, it was a hotel. And Arnesta's telling Rebecca, while drugged, about, like, this is how I came. I came in the boat. I felt like killing myself, you know, all this stuff. I tried to, you know, put a face, but I couldn't. And each time I feel like Rebecca is having one of her breakdowns or even just like writing her journal or anything that revolves like her feelings or her father Ernesto always pops up always pops up with her little two cents of who she is and why <laughs> Rebecca should, should join her in death literally and even like slits her a, a razor blade each time and then vanishes like she's Batman and you're just like wait what did she imagine this? What's going on? And that's, like Batman. Yeah, and that's kind of why I even even in the book, like you start to question, like, is she really a vampire or is she really just a figment of Rebecca's imagination? But more so, is she Rebecca's repressed feelings? Because even in the um, when she starts having her nosebleed or whatever, Rebecca says, you know, um, no, it's when they're playing piano. She sees Ernesta playing piano, and she's like, oh. My father was a famous pianist. I inherited, you know, his talents. And she, and she was like, including you, you know, of course, you inherited something from your father. And Rebecca's very confused about it. Like, what does she mean? And she mentions that word inheritance many times to Rebecca. And so finally, you realize what she's referring to is killing herself. Because even Rebecca starts thinking about it of like, did he feel joy? Did he feel released? I wonder if it hurt. And she starts thinking about it to the point that, she starts um, monologuing where she says to herself, did I inherit 
my father's illness that I inherited. Yeah. And what's funny, what, what's interesting is that studies have proven that, yeah, mental illness is genetics. You can't inherit that. You very much can. And for a while, like, again, she mentions inheritance. And Rebecca is just going back and forth, like, what is she talking about? Is it is it the writing? Is it this? And she just points to that, to that specifically of like, he killed himself. Did I do it? And then yeah, that's when the real reveal happened, where she's just like, oh, Ernesto's after me. She wants me to yeah. be like her because Ernesto, you find out that she is dead. She had killed herself because she also suffered her father dying of suicide and she couldn't cope with it and so she kills herself she released it and yeah. it, it, it again it goes back to that quote of like of carmilla you know when she tells uh laura of like you know you are mine you and i are one forever that's what ernesta wanted with rebecca yeah she was basically like trying to push rebecca to the edge where she felt that was the only decision mm-hmm. was to kill herself which that's that's really Really interesting way to go about that. It's really unique. And I'll, I, some of the things that Nessa was saying, even about uh, Rebecca's father, was really interesting. It kind of made me question for a moment whether she was involved with his death for half, for half a second. Cause she was I'm the like, spirit. He, I'm the spirit that killed yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, you know, artists, they uh, they look at life kind of differently. And so like, she basically saying something to the effect of that. And death mm-hmm. is almost like, you know, like there's, there's almost like it's a different experience from life. Like it's something you can't quite explain, but you kind of can let go and be free in death. And, she, and that, which kind of, you know, triggers Rebecca to think if that's the reason why he did it. Because her father was a poet. Apparently he was like mm-hmm. a world famous poet. Um, God knows some of the topics that he wrote about, but he was a beloved poet. And he committed suicide, which uh, Anissa kind of hinted at. She said, you know, you know, with with artists and creative minds a lot of them tend to commit suicide or have problems they just they think differently and now we've all heard that in actual culture when you see like so i don't want to mention specific people but when you just think of like really really creative people in the world or even like some people say it with like stand-up comedians like dudes would be like they're depressed like they're super funny but they're like depressed they're like personally Mm -hmm. depressed in part because they can just see the world in a way that like the average person isn't trying isn't looking at it Mm-hmm. Like you know, a part, a big part of art, um, a big part of art is examining, you know, like not just your existence, but just the existence of existing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, why are we here? Why, why is this tree this color? Why is the sky blue? And it's like, of mm-hmm. course, there's scientific reasons for that, but it's more of like, why is there even like a scientific reason for this? Like, why? Mm-hmm. What's the real why? What is the purpose? What is the like, the reason for all of these things? And if you look at life through that perspective, I guess it could be somewhat depressing you. So you probably look at like, why should I even work? Like, what is work? We weren't brought here to work. We were brought here to like exist. And existing means like smelling the trees and all that. Like you can get totally caught up in all of that. And then death can probably sound like a whole nother experience mm-hmm. if you really have that kind of mindset. So they, they didn't necessarily spend a lot of time harping on why her father committed suicide. But those are some of the parallels that I was just drawing based on things that Ernesto was saying and. And then even just the way of Rebecca was kind of responding to it, she was like, talking about like basically like a sweet release of what death would be. So that's kind yeah. of how I interpreted it. Yeah, because Nessa tells her like, um, it's it's uh, oh, she said that it's no, she said how like it's exotic. It's it's like it's a it's it's fulfilling. It's joyful. It's all the stuff yeah. like you're being reborn. You're it's like a rebirth of of something and. 
that kind of goes back to the moths. The moths are very symbolism throughout the whole entire film. You know, you hear the whole saying moth to flame, moth to this. Uh, you know, yeah. Moth <laughs> indicate, you know, death. You know, you see moths within. You always see moths when it comes to decaying person. It always associated with death or even just rebirth. Because moths are like butterflies. I never thought about that until just now. Yeah, because moths are like butterflies, except they just fly really weird and shit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, each time when they mention Ernesto, Rebecca's always saying how, like, even when, even when Rebecca's trying to, like, sneak in her, because, again, this is the start of when she starts getting obsessed with Ernesto, where she's just like, we have to get in her room. Let's see what's in her room. Why is she always in her room? Why is this? this? So she goes, and then she just sees a whole bunch of moths with inside her room, and then you see moths outside of, of Rebecca's window where Anissa's like walking around at nighttime back and forth. Um, and then again, the moths are like, and it also referenced the fact that she has a memory of her father that involves a moth, which is as she mm-hmm. told her friend, um, I know it was her friend, I think Sophia, she told her friend one of her favorite moments was when they went to see the Luna moth. And how they never seen a moth like that before. And I like how moths are just so like metaphorical throughout the whole entire film. Like they symbolize the fact that Arnesa is dead. She's a decaying corpse. Yeah. It also represents uh Rebecca's memories of her father. Moths reminds her of that. Um, and also the whole rebirth, you know, being reborn as some other being, which kind of what Arnesa became. You know, she kind of reborn yeah. into this weird spirit vampire thing, you know, just to like exist within there. And even the instance when like Rebecca's looking at this portrait of the old staff and whoever lived in the hotel, you see an image of Ernesta in there. And the first time she, you noticed it, Ernesta just like kind of like, it's the first time Rebecca threatens her. <laughs> Where she was just like, you can have Lucy, <laughs> but let her live, please. And then Ernest just was like, look at this photo. Doesn't she look like me? Don't we look alike? And they just walk away. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, Ernest. Yeah, uh, Ernesto was totally unbothered. Yeah, she was just like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care you think I'm weird. I don't care you don't <laughs> like me. I don't care you think I smell weird. I'm just here <laughs> to look pretty and cause chaos in your life. That is all I'm here for. Pretty much, and yeah, yeah. I love and I love her her aesthetic too. Like Ernesta looks like a vampire. <laughs> yeah, she looked dead from the moment she came on screen. I was like, yo, she looked dead. <laughs> she does like right she away, like straight up dead. And I She's like about as pale as you can get. Yes, and I love the fact that they chose an actress that was so different from the other girls. Like she looked different. She was taller. She was paler. She she the way she talked, the way she carried herself. She was very odd, a quote unquote odd, <laughs> you know, according based on how the other girls looked like in that school and, and among Rebecca friends. She wasn't like them. She was more like pristine, more like, um, yeah, like pristine and um, regal. Yeah, yeah. she's like classic. Yeah. She, just, she seemed almost way more mature than everyone there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like a thousand years old. Well, yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> that she, she, she just even like acted like she was you could see that and like it's funny you said everything you said about the moth because i was kind of thinking about that when i was watching it. i was like i wonder if some of this i was like maybe there's something that moths represent that i don't know mm-hmm. because in a lot of ways the way they did it it seemed like the moths were almost like a 
like a replacement for like you know how usually in movies they have like bats instead of like bats when like the vampires like either mm-hmm. transforming and flying away or mm-hmm. like just like making their grand entrance in this grand entrance in this play in this case they use moths and I was like hmm that's a interesting change of tone but like like you said this movie isn't the traditional vampire isn't a traditional vampire it's a vampire movie it's just not a very traditional one it doesn't have jump scares or anything like that so uh, a lot of things definitely outside the norm mm-hmm. which is really interesting i didn't even think about it as a lesbian story until like <laughs> the research and how they were like oh yeah the, you know the way it made perfect sense when you're just like oh no one like necessarily said that they were lesbian but if you examine the relationship between these characters it can definitely veer that way yeah and especially like the parallel to again blood you know rebecca's having painful cramps her menstrual cycle is coming up and then she awakens because she hears noises and then you see the stain of blood like on her dress her nightgown and then it parallels the fact that she's seeing the shocking scene of arnesa and lucy having sex and she's just just like oh my god oh my god like she's just like (gasps) you know like shocked about that yeah, that scene was interesting because it, it, well, one, it was visually beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that one. One, it was visually beautiful. And like when she broke in there, it definitely was more of like a, like a sexual moan. It wasn't like a she was dying in pain kind of moan. Mm-hmm. So it was like clearly it was a part of the bargain. As the uh, professor mentioned earlier, like the victim has to consent to the vampire. So mm-hmm. it definitely seemed like that kind of event. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting because her response to it wasn't like, oh, my God, my friend is being eaten by a vampire. Her response was like, oh, she's cheating on me. <laughs> That's kind of oh, yeah. how she responded to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, boom, Lucy gets sent to the hospital because she's dying. And it's just, uh, it was just so, it was visually beautiful because the way it was shot, it's dark. All you see is the moonlight hitting them, but then you can't really see Arnesa. Like, you see her. You see her hovering over Lucy while, you know, doing stuff. But I like how they kind of turned her into like some type of like monster in that very scene. Like she yeah. looked kind of morphed in a way. And I like how specifically she was digging into her neck, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it was just wow. Like that was so good. And then the moment when Lucy really dies is when, you know, they go and then Ernesta is like ascending into the sky, holding Lucy. They turn into moths. And then Lucy's just dead. Like, she just died. Like, that was the final thing mm-hmm. that Ernesto had to do was just drain her completely. Um, and it is kind of similar in a sense in the book Carmilla. Like, I mean, Laura doesn't die. But when Carmilla does come to town, she, it's, it's very parallel. Carmilla is this, you know, stranger. This unknown person comes into the small town. You know, she all the all the young girls are getting sick. They don't know what's going on. They don't know how they're dying. They have like some unforeseen death, and then she meets Laura. She's charmed by her. She's enticed by her. She wants to be with her, and also by also kind of like hurting her by biting her, going to her dreams, doing this and that. You know, of course she doesn't completely turn Laura. Carmilla gets you know basically chased away. Um. But it is similar mm-hmm. to how Arnesa comes into the school. Strange person comes to this town, comes to the school. You know, all the girls are not getting sick, but they're getting cut away one by one. 
you know, Charlie gets expelled. Yeah. Uh, her friend Dora, who saw her, you know, like phase into her room through her mirror. And they're like, oh, I don't know what I saw. I don't know what I saw either. And <laughs> and that, I kind of want to bring that up because I was kind of like, the first time I saw it, I was just like, why did Dora die? And a part of me was just like, maybe Ernesta killed Dora because she knew too much <laughs> in a sense. You know, she was just like, okay, I have Rebecca thinking I'm a vampire. I don't need anybody else thinking I'm a vampire. So you got to go, Dora. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, that that sounds accurate to me, too, because if the target, if the planned target was Rebecca and to get her pretty much as, lo- as alone as she possibly could, you're, you're charming one friend. Some of the other friends kind of don't really deal with you much at all. They just kind of like, Rebecca's acting strange. Just spent a little bit less time with her. One mm-hmm. was expelled. It kind of made sense, like, that one of them was going to have to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like somebody going to have to go at some point because she probably didn't plan on charming that girl. So she was like, I got to get rid of you. Uh, let, let's speed up this plan a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because she's like, you saw too much. You saw me phase into my room. Um. And then I, yeah, when, it was yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, and then when that thing happened, you know, Rebecca's mom was just like, "Well, was she ever like insinuating that she killed herself on purpose?" Which again, like suicide is kind of like a theme in this film. Like it kind of is, um, you know, with her father, it definitely, yeah, Ernesta's father, and then Rebecca going back and forth about it. And of course, Ernesta, you know, she's she's dead because she killed herself. And also, the theme yeah. for this film also is like grief. How do you handle grief? You know, not everybody handles grief well. Not everybody does. Some people, unfortunately, does feel like that's that's the only way they can like go of their grief. They don't ever get over it, especially if you lost a parent. You never get over that shit. You know, and yeah. and that, especially in that way. Yeah, and then for Rebecca, it was only two years. For Ernesta, I think also it was like two years for her in her timeline. But she just couldn't bear it. She couldn't, couldn't fake it. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Rebecca reads her, her journal, her little diary that Ernesta was keeping as well at the time when she was alive in the 18th you know, century and stuff. She said it. She was just like, my mother was able to move on, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. You know, I'll be the pristine daughter, but inside I was dying. I kept hearing my father call me and then just couldn't do it anymore. And again, like grief is just so complex. You know, like there's no right or wrong way in how to handle it. There really isn't. Yeah. And I feel yeah, like. Yeah, you're 100% right there. Yeah. And I feel like this film played with that as well as the, the theme of like mental illness and yeah, teenage girls coming of age, what they go through. Yeah, it's definitely a coming of age vampire story. It's a, it feels a bit a little, now that I think I'm thinking about it more and more. It feels a bit like a slightly older or teenage version of like let let me in or like let the right one in. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, feels like it's a bit like that, but like you know, like a teenage version and let and let the right one in. Out they were like kids, so it was probably like or maybe ten years old at most. And st- uh, and here the girls are and still a better love story in Twilight. <laughs> Definitely a better love story in Twilight. <laughs> you have no arguments there. Uh, but yeah, the girls in this case are just a little bit older, but it it feels it feels a bit like that. But yeah, no, I agree. So suicide was a huge topic and theme throughout the movie, whether it's uh Ernesta trying to make Rebecca meet her, 
pretty much meet her in death by killing herself or her or her father or just like the way it's being handled and just like I guess you can say depression in some way because uh a lot of people could you know not feel good about life not mm-hmm. necessarily want to kill themselves mm-hmm. i remember this this comedian that i love he he passed a, like 10 years ago now yeah patrice o'neill he was like really good comedian i used to like and he actually said it really well when, when he was alive he was like do you know how weird it is to like be depressed and suicidal but not actually want to kill yourself I could do like, those. I don't, yeah. like, that feeling sucks. Yeah, he it's, was, it's called the gray area. Like, like medically and scientifically, it's called the gray area, and it's not the best feeling in the world. I can't imagine that it is. And when he said that, I was like, I've never personally felt like that, but I was like, I can't imagine that's a that's a good feeling by any means. He was like, yeah, like uh, he was like, I'm so depressed that I don't really want to live, but I would I would never kill myself. And he was mm-hmm. like, it just it's so messed up. <laughs> and I was like. Yeah, yeah, there is such thing as like dying in life, mm-hmm. and it kind of sounds like it in some ways. So, I totally, but yeah, that's definitely definitely a theme throughout this movie. It's, so yeah, it's a really unique, unique tell. And I really, you know, another thing actually, as you were talking about the novel and comparing it, and that really stood out to me was like uh, the character of Camilla. It's it seems a lot like the story of like you know the bad boy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> that people always joke about like the bad boy that comes into town and kind of sweeps a woman off her feet. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot like that, but you know, in, in this particular case, like it's it's a woman instead. Like, but it's mm-hmm. the same same kind of attraction, the same kind of like relationship, the same kind of feeling of like, oh, this is new and exciting. And the movie showed that in in the way they um describe Lucy, where where like remember, uh, I think it was during like one of the like auditorium meetings, and they were kind of like everybody in the school is messed up and has their problems. And she's like, yeah, those are the kids whose parents were divorced. Those are the kids whose parents didn't even want them. And then these are the people who have alcoholic parents or alcoholics themselves. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and I messed up. And then and then Lucy was like, yeah. And then uh, Rebecca looked at Lucy and was like, yeah, but you're like, you're you're normal. Like you're you're perfectly fine. She's like, yeah, my life is boring. She's like, yeah, but I would take your life over what <laughs> over what I'm dealing with, which mm-hmm. could just explain why like Ernesta was like attractive to her because like. She's like, she seems more adult. She seems o- older. She seems like a mystery. She seems like she kind of like knows things that you don't know. And it's, it's kind of like the same bad boy thing, but it's like with a girl. It's really, really interesting. And, and honestly, you could kind of joke and say that some of the things that uh, Arnisa was doing to, I guess, quote unquote, attract Rebecca, similar to what like guys do in some ways. It's just like, oh, if you really like somebody, like kind of ignore them because she ignored Rebecca completely for like the first half of the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. she's like just just ignore her and she did oh, the, like, the, the, the make them jealous they'll make you want them that's that's, that's what worked <laughs> exactly that's exactly what she did that's, that's what exactly worked exactly what she did and it worked completely like whether she was manipulating Rebecca's mind or not she couldn't stop st- thinking about her she couldn't stop dreaming about her she was seeing her even in her own dreams mm-hmm. <laughs> like it all worked <laughs> yeah it was just crazy and you know for the book that Rachel wrote, you know, the Moth Diaries, the novel version. Again, like they don't really emphasize what Ernesta is that their whole entire book. The the big difference is that um you're aware that Rebecca has a disorder. She has a personality disorder. So you can't really trust what she's telling you while she's narrating the story. You don't really know what's true. And mm-hmm. through the whole entire book, you don't really get the sense that she's a vampire, but more so that she's possibly a figment of Rebecca's imagination. It's like her her shadow, her dark side. 
you know, or possibly just a ghost. So in the ending, when Rebecca is just when she finds out what Ernesta really had planned, which was, you know, for Rebecca to join her in death and whatnot, she goes into the basement where this this case is, this briefcase, this huge, you know, thing, or I guess in a sense it's like her coffin. And yeah. that's when she realizes that Ernesta has been dead for years. You know, she is a ghost, she's a spirit, some type of vampire type spirit. And she takes the matters in her own hands and burns, you know, the coffin with Ernesta sleeping in it and burns her alive to, mm-hmm. you know, set her soul free. In the book, however, the the coffin in a sense is closed. She never knows if she's in there or not, and she just burns it. And so you're kind of left with the sense oh. of like, okay. Was she a real person or was this just something that Rebecca made up in her mind to cope with everything? Hmm. Yeah, so it's really interesting. interesting. Yeah, it is. And I kind of like the ending in the film more because you kind of have a straight answer of what Ernesta is. You know, like you're still kind of, it's still kind of open ended because you see her ghost, you know, looking at the mirror at the window and then she vanishes with it. And then Rebecca's. And the monologue was that, you know, she finally set her free. And then her throwing away the razor blade that Ernesta kept giving her every time she saw her was also like a, <laughs> a metaphor of Rebecca being set free of those shackles of that quote unquote inheritance of her dad, of, of her like wanting to kill yeah. herself and whatnot. But I definitely like the film ending more than from what I read and how it ends in the book. Yeah, that. That sounds like a more definitive ending, which I don't mind that. That's fine. I mm-hmm. kind of wish, based on what you're telling me about the book, I kind of wish they kind of kept the like mental illness aspect of it. Just because yeah. I think that would have, just because, you know, uh, it's something you always point out to me, especially when we talk about like different movies where there's characters that are like the villain or whatever, and they have a mental health issue or some, of some sort of mental disability, however you want to phrase it. Uh mm-hmm. And usually, you know, they're the villain or we don't really get like a story leading those kind of characters. And when you, if you did, you just get so many, you get such a unique kind of stories because it's just it's a different point of view you normally don't get. Right. So like if you if they wrote this film from the perspective of her having like a personality disorder, um, that may explain a lot of things. Right. Like that may explain like why she was so controlling aside from just the grief. Mm-hmm. Why she was so controlling, why she was afraid of maybe becoming her, her father in some ways um why it could have been probably even more of a toss-up at the at the uh, the idea of like Ernesta being a like a part of her imagination because it wasn't like you saw her in class or anything like that like you never saw her in class um <laughs> so you yeah, really had no re- reason to believe she was truly a student mm-hmm. so that could have been that could have been really interesting i don't know i think that could have been a really unique thing and we could have gotten a story from a perspective that we normally don't get stories from and that could have been Really interesting, but this film is definitely good. I I did enjoy it, but the, knowing that Tibbet, that would have definitely added a different perspective into the film. Yeah, I mean, it, and it wouldn't be so like, uh, triggering or problematic because we've seen other horror films use weaponized mental illnesses. We've seen it so many yeah. times, and it gets really annoying and tiring. You know, point that we're just like, we don't want to see this anymore. So, but for this, I feel like it wouldn't be so terrible but that's my perspective of course someone else would probably be like no that would have been bad but um it, it really would have changed the narrative of, of the whole film if they would have kept that knowing firsthand that she had a personal disorder 
and whatever he's writing and whatever yeah. he's seeing even you as the viewer is just like is this really real or you just you know is the grief and all this stuff like really getting to your head you know um yeah. Yeah, and the thing too about the film that people have said that what they liked about it was the fact that it kind of reimagined the lesbian vampire trope that's been around since the 70s. And that trope originally was just created, it has two, it has two um, beginnings. It was created at first to, to insinuate the, the feminism error where women are liberated, women are more, you know, aware of their sexuality, they own it, they're not mm-hmm. apologizing for it. And then the other side of the, the trope is the fact that it's mostly for men desire, what they want to see. And I like for this film, it did change that, where you're not watching a film just, just for shits and giggles. You know what I mean? Like, the scene when Yeah, you're Lucy, not watching it just for lesbians. Yeah, like, the scene when Lucy and ernesta when they're having their intimate moment in the bedroom that was very like not like oh my god this is hot you know it was just like wow that's that's part story <laughs> no but you know what i mean like it's, it's, it's I get exactly what you mean yeah like it's, it's, it's too um i hate you so much <laughs> um it's it's really to help push the story of what you're seeing through rebecca's eyes you know it's to push yeah. the and i like how for this film it they changed it. That's why people have said that how like they really like this film for the way they handled the trope. And the trope is kind yeah. of annoying and it's very irritating <laughs> to the point that I'm like, do you think that the trope is ever gonna change? <laughs> like do you think it should go away? It's it's funny, to tell you the truth, I never thought about it as a trope until you mentioned it. Like mm-hmm. in preparing I've never never considered I can't even remember seeing many lesbian vampires. But I've never can thought about whether or not it was actually a, a trope. Um, to me, and once again, this is like, and I feel like this film is a good example of what a guy sees versus the, what a woman sees. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this film is a perfect example of that even from like the person who made it to the to the people who are viewing it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, your interpretation of this film is probably drastically different from than mine up until me seeing it and then getting like doing more research on it, and going, oh, okay, there's other stuff here I didn't even consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like this is this is a perfect example of that. That's why you need to. That's really why you need all kinds of people making movies because you then you get these kind of conversations that are really insightful mm-hmm. um so i've never even considered that the lesbian vampire thing was a trope i've like never even thought of it ever as a trope i can't remember, like i said i don't remember seeing many of them um the historical idea um context there of like them using like them in film using a, a lesbian vampire as like a lore to the woman character who's in like a relationship of some sort with a man and then essentially the film is kind of about like her fighting the change of like accepting women in, in that position over men mm-hmm. and it kind of being a, a struggle of like the patriarch patriarchy versus like the feminism movement. That's interesting from a historical context and not surprising yeah. <laughs> as a, as I learn something new every week as we talk about these topics, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not surprising. Um, and even just from like last week's episode, listening to all the ladies you had in there talking about feminism was like really, really insightful. Um, it's like I said, it's things that I in some ways consider, but in, in a lot of ways don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I just learn things because I want to, and but it's just like very insightful because you, you, I remember one thing that was said in specifically like about how like, even like the final girl trope, a big part of it is like showing a virtual 
showing like a pure and perfect per, per, perfect woman mm-hmm. and anything aside from that deserves to die and like mm-hmm. i've yeah. always thought that in some ways from like the what you see from film but hearing someone say it that plainly was like oh shit she she really got a point like that's kind of what it is like it's mm-hmm. it, <laughs> jason killing all the sexual character is more than him just killing this woman because like they were the easy kill it's like he's literally trying to like kill her sexuality like it's it's an interpretation I would have never come up with because I've never been in that that place. But uh, yeah, I just I've never thought about the lesbian vampire thing like that. So that's really insightful. I don't know. I think honestly, I don't think it should go away. I think it it wouldn't be a trope if they just wrote it better. I don't yeah. think it needs to go away. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I don't think it should go away is um, it's partly funny and partly personal. Uh, <laughs> it's because he's a man. It's joke. because he's a man. because he's a man. Yeah, it's it's in part because I'm a dude. And because of a joke that I actually always, I always usually say to a lot of women when like, whether like I have a few friends that are lesbians and I always joke with them and I'm, or even bisexual friends that I have I always joke with them. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it. I, I get it completely. Like if you're a woman that only dates women, I, I get it. Like women are beautiful. <laughs> like, I feel like if you're a woman and you like men, like you like men, like, because we do not smell as nice. We do not look as good. <laughs> like, like that wasn't a choice. Like you came out and that was what your body told you was okay because i don't care how metrosexual you are as a man you will never smell as pleasant as another woman does <laughs> you, you you just won't you will never smell as pleasant as another woman you, you your skin will never be ass off no matter how much moisturizer you use no matter how much you try to mimic some of them dudes in animes <laughs> you a man cannot mimic a woman uh you just you just can't uh so yeah. for that reason alone i'm like yeah keep it like there are women who like women purely like women i get mm-hmm. it keep it uh make make this a thing and i like the way this film did it like it wasn't really about her loving arnessa or loving or loving uh lucy it was more so like the things that were happening it was a it's a love triangle but it's a unique kind of love triangle where it's not like a just like a generic teen drama where it's just like no you're mine no you're mine it's like really yeah. goofy like it wasn't that at all it was mm-hmm. it was more it was smarter than that yeah, I appreciate that, that because again, like the lesbian trope has been. I've seen it in many movies, and I've seen it even in TV. Like True Blood had the lesbian trope. Um, a lot of vampire movies has had it throughout years. You know, Dracula's daughter has a lesbian trope, and we've seen a lot of mm-hmm. movies have it. But yeah, like what they did with this was clever, and it was smart. And like when you mentioned anime, because even anime does that. Anime makes you know these these lesbian centric or gay centric series that are only for a specific audience aka lesbian is mostly for men the the, the gay stuff yeah. is only for women it's never for like yeah. their audience and this felt more organic it didn't felt forced it didn't felt like it was fan service it was like mostly to tell a story about these three girls and a love triangle and coming to terms with grief that's really what the story was about yeah it it, it really is and honestly just to even add on to that point of how different the, the like the the gaze as you could say is that uh, looking at these characters are we see it in all forms of media like if you want to go bare minimum you see it in porn mm-hmm. like there is very clearly porn that is from that was like made with men in mind and men as a target audience and there is also porn that was very clearly made with women in mind and women being a target audience. It's a significant difference. You even mm-hmm. see an example of that in this film where, like, the, the sex scene between Lucy and Vanessa, it looks, like, very sensual and, like, really beautiful and, like, really, like, like a intimate moment. 
And then they have the kind of sex scene that you look in on where it's uh, one of Rebecca's friends having sex with this guy in like the woods. And it's I don't think it's animalistic because it's a guy that's involved. It's animalistic because of how the experience was. Yeah. Like the experience looked drastically different than what the experience we see in the bedroom between the two ladies. Like the experience Mm -hmm. with him and the girl looks like a dude who's just kind of like he's so caught up in the moment. He's not even paying attention to the to the person on the other end who's a part of the body that he is having sex with. He's just like, cool, I'm in there, I'm doing everything. And the girl kind of tries to explain it away when they talk about it later. And you're just, she's just like, hey, it, it wasn't that great. She's like, did you have a good time? Not not really, but I'm kind of happy it was over. Uh, it was his first time too, so uh, whatever. But like seeing the scene, it looks almost like a rape. Yeah. It almost looks like a rape scene. Looks, I even wrote that in like my notes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, very clearly and of itself shows you like how differently you can do something that does that mean that all men are rapists no but that does mean like how you can show something with with the who's in mind like who's a mm-hmm. part of to some guy some people some men some, some people in general to some people that is that is porn to them like watching somebody just like ravage another body is porn that's they're like cool this is my thing that is it but i would argue for like most for most women that's not what they experience their sexual experience to be even if they like certain things that's not what they necessarily have in mind mm-hmm. when they're picturing a situation and uh, anybody with sense shouldn't picture it that way it's if even regardless of what you like if you're a man who likes men or a man who likes women or whatever you like you picture your sexual experience very closely to what Lucy and Anessa looks like where it's like the moonlight is hitting you guys and you're actually having a good time <laughs> that's how you picture it you don't picture it as the other Mm-hmm. yeah I, I like that parallel too they did with that it was just like interesting and yeah it, it, it kind of it's funny because that scene again Anessa is always like going to Rebecca's mind and she was just like look at it two beings become one with another isn't it amazing I'm just like why are you in her mind <laughs> why are you commentary about this <laughs> like what but um but yeah but most definitely I feel like yeah like the lesbian trope thing like it could it, I don't know. I go back and forth with it. It could stay. It cannot stay. But more so, it needs to change. It needs to evolve. It needs to. It needs to basically um, evolve that particular audience. You know what I mean? Like it needs to be for the LGBTQ yeah. community and not just for you know straight men and women. It needs to be for everybody. You know. And again, like what they did with that scene, and then this. It was just clever, <laughs> you know. It was clever. They yeah. took it, they reversed it, they flipped it, reversed it, like Mr. Elliot says, you know, clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if honestly, if I, if, if you want to, we call it a trope, whatever you want to call it. All it really, all it really needs to do, in my opinion, anyway, in my limited view, all it needs to do is not be a battle of like a woman deciding whether or not she's. Um, heterosexual or gay like it shouldn't be that like i feel like that's that's really what the trope that's the problem with the trope right it's Mm -hmm. like it shouldn't be like oh this woman is trying to decide between going with the patriarchy or fighting for her own liberation like as long as you break it from that entirely you can i think you can write these stories and have two women be in love with each other and they're vampires or one's a vampire and one's not like that's really all you need to break from like you can very easily write a story which they did here where it's like a love triangle and of lesbians, you can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can totally do that. Um, and it's not a big thing. You c- actually, you could even write a story where there is a woman 
trying to fi- kind of figure out sexuality, whether it's like she likes men or she likes women. And the, the end result could just be that she likes both. Like p- bisexuals exist. <laughs> yeah. So they, yes, they, they do, could people. just write it. Yes, they do. Yeah. Do not forget they them. Could. They exist. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they, they could, and the most of bisexuals that I know anyway are women. So like, I know a few that are guys, but most of that I know are women. But like they could just write it that way. Like that could be the end result of that it doesn't it doesn't really have to be an either or mm-hmm. like i know life tells you it has to be but for the for most people's internal thinking it doesn't really have to be left or right they could just choose both mm-hmm. <laughs> that could yeah. be your thing <laughs> but yeah but other than that like this film was just like it was just beautiful beautifully done beautiful told uh i definitely want to read the book i haven't read the book yet and it's just very clever and again for those who have never watched it you need to watch it it's one of those gems you need to experience it's so good like i always i always recommend yeah. this movie to people it's like if you don't like horror in a sense it is nothing gory it's nothing really horrific it really is just a let's just say it, it's a gothic dark story about three girls coming of age yeah that's really what it is so if you guys like drama you like all this stuff and you don't like horror this is just the best film for you because it is not horrific it is not in your face no screams no jump scares it's just literally a beautiful story <laughs> that is it yeah for all the people listening who aren't like super horror buffs that listen to everything watch everything that we talk about or watch every movie that we we we've reviewed um and i know you guys exist because you guys definitely make make it known that you do <laughs> <laughs> this as jackie said this is definitely a film that you could watch without any fear of something jumping out and grabbing you on the soldier on the shoulder or like something mm-hmm. bloody popping up and like out your tv anything like that like this film is not that at all it almost feels like a period piece <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not that at all it's not that at all it's a drama that includes a vampire whose teeth you don't even see at any point mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean some could say because she could be even a succubus if you think about it you think that about is it, true she, she could be a succubus which is also a type of vampire i guess technically they are right mm-hmm but yeah, so woo! But I'm so glad you saw it. I mean, I was like so excited <laughs> for you to watch it. I was like, you gotta watch it. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I know what I was walking into, but this was worth it. This was worth it. <laughs> I gotta give you kudos for this. It was worth it. Listen, my my suggestions are not as horrific as yours. Okay, for you, I never know what I'm walking into. <laughs> you know what? You're 100 right. I will just pick shit out of the sky and then be like, that was that was something. I didn't expect to be terrified like that. So yeah, you're right. You're right. You pick. Fairly normal shit, so <laughs> it's way yeah. easier. Yeah, to bear with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and honestly, before we even get out of here, I just want to say uh, thank you again for last week's episode. That feminist episode was dope. Uh, I know I had to edit it, but uh, listening to it, I was like, "Yo, they, everybody on this episode did their thing." I was like, "Jackie was a good host. This was fun to listen to. Tons of perspective and things that I haven't considered and." We even get a lot of great feedback from people who are like, yo, that episode was really insightful and really just honest. And I was like, yo, that's that's kind of why we do this. Like, this is to have a good time. And I know you guys hit on some heavy topics, but it was, y'all had a good time. Like, y'all <clears> cracked <throat> jokes, y'all laughed, and that's really what it's all about. Everybody having a good time. So thank yeah. you for that again. Because that's essentially what we do here. We, we talk, we don't just talk movies. We go in detail with the movies, review it, but also we go into like the history of it, the tropes of it, why they exist, what they shouldn't exist. We just talk about everything, you know? And yeah, last week's episode was just amazing, and I loved it, and I'm very proud of it. Like, that's just my baby. I'm proud of that episode. <laughs> yep, we get all the historical context here, and I get story time with Jackie where she walks me down memory lane. 
about something from the 1700s I never heard of. And I'd be like, holy <laughs> shit. Does she keep all this in her back pocket? Like, how does she know all of this? And she's just like, what? Nobody else knows this? I'm like, no, nobody else does know this. And that's why you're the host of this podcast. So, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but yes, but again, watch Moth Diaries, people. It is such a good movie. <laughs> I want to hear your opinions. Please, if you watched it, let us know. Please. And, or hit me up on Instagram. My, my tag is, is on our page. Tell me what you think. I want to know. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so before we get out of here, uh, thank you for listening, guys. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, of course, TerraNova underscore pod. Uh, feel free to hop in and be like, yo, I like that episode. Or, yo, I hate that episode. That's also funny. We like to hear that, too. Uh, so a few people complain about random stuff, but that was kind of, not to us, but I just saw, I see random comments about random stuff from time to time. And I'd be like, wow, these, these people on one, but, <laughs> but that's just the internet. That's just the internet. So yeah, follow us on Instagram. Feel free to reach out if you want to be a guest at any point and keep on listening. I'll let Jackie finish us up. Ooh, wee, you. Ghost goodbye.